it's the it's the thrill it's the hunt for me um it's the it's using sort of every fiber of my being to harvest a specific fish species and and do it well and do it consistently um that's really what drove me was um to produce quality product this is fishtails a seafood podcast i'm john sussman commercial fishing is a unique profession Some people come to it by chance, or even last resort, and others are born into it. While it is a profession filled with uncertainty, there is much uncertainty about the future of this profession. Many fishermen send their children to school and want them to hold other jobs in fields like software, law and banking. They say they don't want their children to struggle as they did, and want a better life for them, leaving the future of this sea-dependent occupation in question. For Nate Smith, any other profession was never going to be the case. As a fourth generation fisherman operating in some of the most pristine and beautiful waters in the world, Nate believes his role is to not only continue the family legacy of harvesting wild fish, but to improve on how, when and why he fishes and to spread the word across the broader catching and cooking communities of how special what he does is. My earliest memory, I think, of commercial fishing, my introduction to commercial fishing was um, gill netting when I was just a wee fella, you know, like maybe three or four years old. I remember, um, you know, holidays, school holidays and Christmases and Easter's and all that kind of stuff was spent harvesting fish with my father and and my mother and, and the rest of my family. Um, you know, that's just what we did. We had a boat. We sort of didn't go away and holiday overseas much. We just kind of stuck at it. And so my earliest memory would be, um, set netting for butterfish actually, man. Um, it was just happiness. <laughs> it was just massive happiness. You know, I used to sit up or tuck myself up the bow of the dinghy cause we just, it was all kind of inshore and enclosed waters for the butterfish as they only eat kelp, um, and seaweeds. Um, so yeah, I just remember these beautiful, vibrant colors coming in, in the gill net and, you know, still flapping around and being alive in the dinghy and my father would be taking them out of the net and giving them to my mother and she'd be bleeding them. And, you know, like it was a, it was a big family affair. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the introduction to commercial fishing for me. Um, it was just, it's in my blood, you know, like, um, my, my ancestors are from Stewart Island and I've still got family there today. Um. And yeah, just having that that depth of connection there kind of makes me want to strive more and protect it even more than than what it is now and take it into my own hands to to spread the word, really. Like many born into the world of fishing, Nate found himself immersed in the day-to-day life of fishing with his parents taking him to see as much to care for him as to entertain him. From his earliest days, Nate was in and out of commercial boats of various types, fishing various locations around the south of New Zealand. He could see that some of the traditional fishing practices were indiscriminate in what species and when they were caught, and more, the return on lesser known species was so marginal as to make it unprofitable to fish for them. With a clearly inquisitive mind and a growing love for the environment, Nate's career began to evolve, progressing from the traditional catch methods to more bespoke methods targeting specific species by season, by region and by market demand. For me, you know, like it's really, really, really close to my heart, fishing in general. Um, doesn't matter what it is or where it is, I'm always trying to be um, out there supporting the, 
the seafood industry. I started out, you know, doing the gill netting and I seen what that was all about, you know, and, um, you know, it's really, really hard work, physically demanding, um, up at 3 a.m. every morning, setting miles and net the day before and then, you know, just constantly being out there and, and, and catching all those types of fish. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started to get interested in different methods of fishing and, and different species of fish. Um, because with gill netting, you know, there's, there's a, a hell of a lot of different fish species that get, uh, you know, entangled in the net. So you get to see a lot of different um, species with that method of fishing. And that's kind of what sparked or ignited something in me that just, you know, there was specific fish species, uh, fish species that were in the net that I was really intrigued by. And um, yeah, sort of drove, drove me into the space that we're at today. And we just kind of went from that as a as a deckhand, um, and then we went on to pot fishing. So I did some uh, rock lobster fishing as well for crayfish over here in Cray 8 along the Fieldland coastline. Um, and then, yeah, re really enjoyed that. Um, uh, but again, you know, it just kind of got to that stage where I was like, well, I, I really want to um, go and target those species that I was seeing um, coming up in the, in the nets. So, yeah, man, from there... Um, I took a little bit of time off and I worked in the oil and gas industry for a few years, um, just traveled all around the place, which is awesome. And then um, about 2006, into 2006, um, come back home to New Zealand and um, just sort of rediscovered my roots and, and wanted to get back into fishing. But I didn't want to just get into that, that main industrial method of fishing. Um, I, I wanted to do something different. So initially I... Um, started out pot fishing for blue cod um, for Sanfords um, down here in Bluff. And then over time kind of built up a bit of a reputation there and then was able to get a little bit of cray croder as well. So um, my main focus became the crayfish at that time. And then I was just like, right, this is, this is the make or break point. I need to go out on my own. I need to do something different um, because I could see that the, the fish stocks were declining um, for the blue cod, especially with the pot fishing and stuff. So I kind of went back to industry and was just like, you know, what do we do? Um, this is the effort that we've been putting in um, versus the catch that we're getting back. Um, what do we do? And the answer from them was just to um, up the effort. And I was like, no, nah, that's, that doesn't sit well with me. So we just kind of pulled right away from the big company. And then I, um, yeah, got, got stuck into to Gravity Fishing and sort of launched that about, um, well, late, late 2016, we started Gravity. Um, and I went completely <laughs> into just hook and line-based fishing. Um, so I was just using drop lines, um, you know, with a small number of hooks on them, um, mainly targeting harp hooker and stuff and just kind of trying to educate myself on how to target different species, um, how to read the sounder properly and, and just really go in depth with that. Um, and then, yeah, that just kind of brought us to the evolution that is today um, where we decided to get some, some jiggy machines um, and we started to trial those and sort of figured out that they're really, really, really efficient ways to harvest fish um, whereby, you know, the fish is now only on the line for a matter of seconds as opposed to if it was being caught on a long line where it could be, you know, a, quite a few hours before you get back to that um, fish to get it off the hook. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's ultimately the, the be all and end all for me with what I've seen in my experience is those jigging machines really took us to the, to the next level um, and, and then just enabled us to have that, 
um, fish, that product that would have a, a shelf life of sort of five or six days in transit if it needed to be, um, you know, because we, st- we started off um, sort of exporting, which was a little bit backwards, I guess. You usually go for your local first, and um, but that, that wasn't the case for us. Nate operates his gravity fishing operation in some truly unique waters. It is a very large piece of coastline spanning over 200 nautical miles and includes the majestic Stewart Island and Milford Sound regions, some of the most beautiful pieces of coast in the world. Yeah, we're pretty far south. Um, sort of next stop for us is Antarctica, so about as south as you can get really, um, as far as you can drive anyway. Um, but yeah, we kind of um, got the privilege of, of fishing oh, around 200 nautical miles of coastline for us. Um, at the very bottom and then also up around the west side of New Zealand and the South Island too, around the fjords and then um, a little bit further north as well in the summer months when we target albacore tuna and all the migratory species. Um, And then um, the stuff on our back doorstep here at our main port um, where we fish out of at um, Bluff and Stewart Island um, is Stewart Island. So, yeah, we get some pretty radical weather patterns down here, um, and Stewart Island's one of those places, obviously, because it's 365 degrees. Um, there's always somewhere that you can kind of get out of um, get out of the weather and, and be in the lee of the weather so you can still continue to operate, which is awesome. The fishing grounds for gravity fishing are located in nutrient-rich waters of the Favau Strait and Milford Sound. These waters provide a diversity of species in abundance that is rare anywhere else on the planet. Nate's approach to harvesting the broad range of species is to work with both market demand and the seasons. We target about, I think the last count we did was 24 or 25 different finfish species down here. Um, And that split up um, throughout the year so that we kind of, um, you know, when we first started gravity fishing, we we did a lot of um, R&D in the early stages of of our um, setup where we were sending fish Um, at certain times of the year to um, a a Japanese restaurant over in Toronto. Um, And he was able to give us a bit of information back as to when that fish was in season. So when it was at its, you know, highest fat um, levels and highest oil content and stuff like that. So so we could kind of go back to our customers and tell them when that fish was in season. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we did. So from... You know, for most of the year, we are fishing down here around Stewart Island and stuff. And then as the water temperature warms up and we get the warm currents coming across from Tassie and that, um, we head north and we base ourselves out of Milford Sound for about five months of the year. Um, Just, yeah, targeting albacore tuna. And then, you know, as the the time goes on, um, we start to get the, the biomasses of southern bluefin tuna showing up as well. Um, and that's kind of pretty exciting for us because it's one fish that we've been kind of keeping an eye on for the last seven years or so. We've started to see really big numbers of bluefin starting to show up on the Fiordland coastline, and there's uh, not a lot of people fishing it, which is awesome. So, yeah, we're just trying to capitalize on that and then make sure that we're giving people the best quality product that we possibly can. So um, that's why we split our seasons up um, as we do. For many, the concept of sustainability is about putting the onus on the catcher or grower exclusively, demanding sustainable centre cuts or fillets. Nate has worked hard with his customers to get them to understand that not only that the work he does on the water is geared to maximising the quality of whole fish, but the chefs buying whole fish become part of the sustainable seafood solution. 
a few years ago I got tied up with an organization called Eat New Zealand and it's kind of a platform um, just to um, you know champion the producers around New Zealand no matter what it is um, if you're into growing mushrooms or a fish or a dairy farm or whatever it is um, they support it and, and sort of um, are advocates for that and people doing it in a sustainable ethical manner um, so I got put up on stage a few years back in Christchurch in front of all these people um, and the main point that I wanted to get through to them was because I was kind of struggling at the time to get people to take whole fish. They really, you know, a lot of the restaurants were still in that mode of, you know, they just wanted sort of 10 to 15 kilos of, of uh, fillets to show up at the restaurant. So that was, you know, it made it easy. The portions were already there. Um, but the main point I wanted to, to make to these guys and, and ladies out there um, in the restaurant hospo scene here in NZ was the fact that there was a horrendous amount of waste that goes with those filleted fish. Um, so I could, you know, like I broke down the conversion fraction for them, which basically was hor it was hor horrifying for them. You know, like I could see it in their eyes. I was just like, holy hell, you know, that's, that's a significant amount of waste and we don't really need to be supporting that right now. So that's why we push whole fish, man. And um, so basically what it converts to is for me to get somebody one kilograms of boneless blue cod fillets, in order for me to get that to them, I had to catch 2.6 kilos to get that one kilo. So they're effectively off every ton of fish that we were catching in the blue cod, there was 1,600 kilograms of waste that was going back over the side. So, you know, that's, it's massive, you know, you, you take that into account over the 40 or 50 tons that we were catching when we started, um, you know, times the amount of fishes that were fishing in our area. And it becomes a whole nother quota management system in itself. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the big thing that we wanted to push man was to just really get people to understand and to reconnect with that resource and to show them how precious, precious it is. Um, and, and that's what that was driving that man, just to, to minimize that waste. Working with customers worldwide to better understand the fish he catches by season and by region, Nate has been encouraged by chefs to work with other fishermen, building the level of understanding and appreciation for many lesser known or poorly regarded species along the way. In a truly symbiotic relationship between the catcher and the cook, the gravity fishing operation has become a model of artisan fishing in New Zealand. The support has been just outstanding here in NZ and abroad you know when we were exporting it was it was fantastic to connect with you know restaurants and and chefs over in Toronto and Vancouver and um, Sydney and Melbourne and, and and all over the show really um, it was it was massive and it was the response that was needed I think for the fishing industry as a whole globally um, because it encourages chefs and and up-and-coming chefs to use the whole product um, to create things that they may not have had the opportunity to create in the past because all they were getting was was fillets and you know and I know how all that came about as well and um, the middleman structure and bits and pieces so um, yeah the support was fantastic man I, I really take my hat off to some of these chefs because there are some pretty tricky species of fish that nobody had really worked with before that we were producing down here um, and so they're kind of ringing me and asking me you know like, how do you cook this fish or well, what do you do with this fish and I'm like man you're the chef you know like <laughs> you sort it out but yeah it was a it was an awesome journey man and um, you know I, I learned so much and, and was able to teach a lot of people as well at the same time. Building on Nate's commitment to sustainable fishing Gravity fishing has become a truly integrated operation, providing an extraordinary experience for not only his chef customers, but for eco-tourists alike, offering a bespoke experience to understand where his seafood comes from, 
how he catches it and how he ensures it remains in the best possible condition, Nate pairs intrepid style fishing trips with a special focus on seafood as food in and around the Stewart Island area. I'm definitely not finished and I really, in all honesty, uh, just feel like I'm just starting. I'm, I'm just scratching the surface with things. Um, I guess like right now for me, success is passing on all of the knowledge that I've gained along this journey um, and and passing it on in depth to other fishers who are, who are dead set keen on, on making a change in their own quota management system. Um, but my aim is to be as hands-on as I possibly can. Like I'd really like to go out with each individual fisher that wants to adopt this method or this model um, and educate them from what I know. And, and then also like learn from the area as well. Um, that's kind of what success is and what the next little bit looks like for me. That and um, spending time with my family, man. You know, I've got a, a six-year-old boy and a, and a two-year-old daughter um, who, you know, obviously have come around through that whole time that we started the business. And, you know, dad's been away fishing. Dad's been home, but he hasn't really been present because he's so caught up in, you know, fish, you know, fish deliveries and bits and pieces. So, yeah, just just spending more time and and just slowing down and 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 trying to help others out is is my next step. I think um, you know for the next little while and until the next thing pops up and then we'll give that 110 as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Fishermen, as the last hunter gatherers, are always in touch with their surrounds. Nate Smith is a next generation eco warrior who not only appreciates what he catches but where it comes from. His understanding and passion is a true commitment to the oceans, to seafood, and to the craft of fishing. It's the it's the thrill, it's the hunt for me. Um, it's the it's using sort of every fibre of my being to harvest a specific fish species. You know, like I I can just say that, and and you know other fishers can sort of will we'll resonate with them, you know, when you're trying to target a specific fish species, but when you're trying to target 25 different species in 12 months and, and do it well and do it consistently, um, that's really what drove me was um, to produce quality product and, and, you know, to give people that opportunity to taste and feel and see authenticity the way that nature intended it was is the drive for me, I think, um, you know, and, and that's why we went down that route of, of food tourism to to take people out there so they can, you know, use all their senses to, to get involved with it and, and have that connection and restore that connection because I think that's really important, you know, the wording that we use, like quota, just kind of has an empty bottomless pit, but if you use the word wild food resource, then people sort of, their ears prick up, you can see. Um, and the individual at the time when you're talking to them, they're just like, oh, you're wild food resource. Yeah, right, okay. And then they have a greater respect for it. And so I guess, yeah, that that whole aspect of, of hunting and, and looking after and educating is the thing that drives me more than anything. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.